If you thought First Saturday Lime was just for outdoor warm weather use, we've got some news for you. We love First Saturday Lime for so many of our pets. Dogs, donkeys, cows, goats, chickens, to name a few. But did you know that you can also use First Saturday Lime in your cat's litter box? Because First Saturday Lime acts as a drying agent, it reduces the moisture and controls the bacteria growth that can make litter boxes stinky. All you have to do is sprinkle an eighth of an inch layer of First Saturday Lime over the kitty litter of your choice. That's it. Boom. Done. You are welcome. So stock up on First Saturday Lime right meow by going to firstsaturdaylime.com and use code DRINK at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. there it is <laughs> oh hey sam oh hey bev <laughs> i have bubbly pour- pouring all over my hand and my blanket fun <laughs> yeah what did you open over there so i opened a Grainworks brewing company pink lemonade stand Ooh. and it's a berliner weiss with cherry and pineapple very nice what did you open? I know it's bubbly, but it's something specific. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I opened Apothic Sparkling Red, um, which is sparkling and red, like it's described. I actually bought this for my birthday, and mm. then I forgot I had it. <laughs> so I'm drinking it now. And today happens to be Valentine's Day. So it oh, felt kind of right. like on theme. But we're both drinking something kind of pinky fruity. You're right. I was just going to say I poured my beer out and it's like crazy pink. But I did not think of that when I picked it. I picked it because our topic today is sort of like having some summer during the wintertime. So I thought I'd pick a summer beer to be kind of on theme. But I like your theme better. (laughs) I like both of ours. (laughs) We have good themes. We theme things. Yes, we do. And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. From hobby farmers to large-scale real deal farmers. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and the new knowledge we gain, so hopefully you don't feel so alone in this farm thing. And sometimes we go off on non-farming related tangents or sometimes farming related tangents that just go (laughs) way, way, way too far. But we cut a lot of those. We put them up on our Patreon and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. And if you want to listen to those, um, become a patron and you can do so by going to patreon.com slash drink and farm. And starting at $2 a month, you can join to support the podcast. And we have levels that include fun things like free gifts every once in a while. We have a t-shirt of the month level. Like, you just have to go check it out. 
Yes, yes. And speaking of the Patreon, our drinks this episode are sponsored by Natalie Quist, which is at Cloud Lover Fiber over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. Okay. So it is that time of the month where we got our honey and rue boxes. Yes, I love this honey and rue box. And it's not just because it's Valentine's themed. I know. That was just like, I, I don't know why I didn't expect that. I really don't. I feel kind of silly. But I was delighted by some of the things in this box. <laughs> so which one was your favorite? So I would have to say that my favorite thing was the uh, chicken love sign, which was is a handmade and rustic looking and it's fitting for the decor in my house obviously because it's rustic and has chickens on it (laughs) right (laughs) but I would say that is my favorite what is your favorite thing from this month's box oh so I had a hard time deciding because I do love egg stamps I think they're super fun even though I never have the time to like actually use them (laughs) (laughs) but I like the idea of me stamping little hearts all over the eggs before I give them to my neighbors. I feel like that's something I should be doing, and maybe now I'll actually do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I also thought it was super cute that we got a rooster lollipop um, because on the little card it says, because kids shouldn't get all the sweets on Valentine's Day, and I could not agree more. Yes. And we also got an issue of the new Pioneer magazine, which I actually get magazines in the mail to my house. So I really enjoy this. <laughs> I like thumbing through them and getting some cool ideas. Uh, we also got Witch Hazel um, in these fun little like single serving size kind of wrapping. So why this is cool is because Witch Hazel is a natural anti-inflammatory. So this is a great thing to put into your... Uh, your first aid kit and you can use it to clean wounds and injuries to the face and head but just to point out don't put it in their eye that's bad Um, but you can also apply to vent prolapse to tighten skin and reduce pain and swelling so this is going to be really handy to have fun fact which hazel pads are what they give you after you give childbirth oh (laughs) now if anybody was thinking about making a baby tonight because it's valentine's day Oh, Beth hold on to those witch hazel pads. <laughs> <laughs> You'll need them later. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you for that. All right. <laughs> we also got a bag of Farmer's Helper Ultra Kibble. And so this was different. I've never seen anything like this before. So when I picked it up, I was like, what? It looks like dog food for chickens. But it's a fun treat for your birds. And it's full of high quality protein and fiber And also dried peas and salmon meal. And it stimulates and encourages natural foraging. So Mm. it's going to be a fun little treat to throw out there, especially since, like, there's snow on the ground out here. So my chickens are a little mad at everything. (laughs) Oh, mine too. And I'll point out that this bag we got is no joke. It is huge. This is a big-ass bag of that ultra kibble. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I think they called it a sample, but, like, it does not look like a sample. Like, it was the size of the box. (laughs) Yes. We also got Bruder bottle caps. um, And these fit in, like, a standard recycled soda bottle to provide clean water to baby chicks. So this is perfect as we prep 
for our my Ch- pet chicken flocks that will be coming in April. Yes, we're just like really planning ahead. With this we set- are these chicks. Like I've never been so prepared months in advance before. <laughs> Well, think about it. We've been talking on the podcast a lot about like planning your farm projects and planning ahead for things that you don't Mm. feel like you're scrambling and going crazy. So it kind of makes sense that we would naturally do those things too. So practice what you preach. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And every box comes with a nesting box liner on the bottom of the box. Just a reminder that that nesting box liner is only for mature hens, so don't put them in your chick brooders, but they are super handy to have, and I actually use them in my nesting boxes, so I give them two thumbs up. And I w- I just pulled up Penny and Rue's Instagram, and there is a March sneak peek up there. Ooh, I'm going to have to go look at it. So I'm just going to spoil it for everyone. So if you want to be surprised, just skip ahead like a full minute um, on the podcast here. But they're teaming up with Exotic Nutrition. And they're going to get, we're going to get one pound of chicken ecstasy and a 12 gram bag of dried calendula flowers. Oh, yeah. Calendula flowers. Yes. You say it so much better than I do. (laughs) But chicken ecstasy is a premium blend of red milo, crimped barley, dried mealworms, omega-3 rich flaxseed, and other healthy ingredients. So this is a great feed supplement. And you guys, we're getting a full pound. That's crazy. Oh, hey. Yeah. So if you don't have Henny and Rue quite yet, go to hennyandrue.com and use the code DRINKINFARM at checkout to get 10% off your first box. All right. I think we got to dive into our topic here now. Yes. And I'm very excited because I have done what we're going to talk about today like okay like I'll call it twice maybe three times so I'm just gonna chime in with my not so successful attempts to do what you did very successfully (laughs) so what we're gonna talk about today is we're gonna talk about how you can grow microgreens and yes you can grow microgreens even if you don't have what you would call a quote-unquote green thumb unless you're Sam (laughs) well they're super easy and maybe when we go through this like you might find that you were just missing something or like didn't quite have the right light because like so I say that they're easy but part of that is because I have all of the required Mm. things that they need so we'll talk about what those things are so if you've tried to grow microgreens and haven't been super successful maybe you'll just find like oh oops I didn't have supplemental light or you know I didn't use the you know a good quality soil or I don't know there's it only requires a few things so I'm not gonna list all the items right now (laughs) right because that is what the bulk of this episode's gonna be about yeah we could just end this episode in like 20 seconds if I went through right now (laughs) shortest episode ever this is how Bev was successful this was how Sam was not the end (laughs) bye (laughs) I mean if you only wanted a five minute episode we could do that but we have more than just those things. But to we want to help you be successful and to do this the right way the first time so you're not discouraged when you forget something simple. So let's dive in. Yes. And there probably are more ways to do this. 
I kind of, when I first started growing microgreens, I read a bunch of different blog posts and some stuff and watched a couple of YouTube videos. And I kind of looked at what everybody else was doing. And I was like, well, that looks too complicated. I already know that that's not going to work great because I have some gardening experience. And so I just kind of put together my own little process. So that's what I'm going to share here today. So I'm excited about this because we're going to be the experts in something. Usually we reference somebody else's blog post just to like prove to you that this is going to work. But we've done this or I've done this. And it I'm going to call Bev the expert on this one. <laughs> and I am the student listening. <laughs> well, but you get to be the expert on lots of other things. I always use your method for brooding chicks. Aww. Yeah. Okay, no, I don't feel so inadequate. <laughs> no, you are not inadequate. It's episode 99. So we're like getting ready to come up to... Holy crap. I know, right? So we're getting ready to come up to like another turning point because, you know, there's milestones and stuff. And every time you hit a milestone, you kind of like get the opportunity to refresh yourself, so to speak, I guess, hmm. like New Year's. So now hopefully we'll get to talk about more things that we do specifically successfully instead of you know, trying to prove that what we do is okay because somebody else said it was okay. Does that make sense? We're stepping yes. into our confidence. <laughs> yes. Or at least trying to yeah. slightly stumble like we're, we've had a beer or two. Yeah. I mean, that's okay too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody has to start somewhere with their confidence. So Bev, what are microgreens? So microgreens are vegetable confetti. Mm. <laughs> That sounds way more fun than what I had pictured in my brain. Yeah, it is really fun. But basically, they're tiny seedling versions of your favorite herbs and vegetables. And I know that that sounds like a really simple explanation, but that's exactly what they are. Microgreens are just letting your seeds sprout to get to the, like the two leaves. And then that's it. You're done. <laughs> Ta-da! Exactly. <laughs> so microgreens have grown in popularity for a few reasons. The first one, and the reason why I was really interested in growing microgreens, is that they pack a flavor punch. So they're super tiny, but they can really jazz up the flavor of anything that you put them in, which is really exciting because so now you've got like, you know, this thing that you can grow that doesn't require a whole ton of effort, and it really just like ups your food game. And it also turns out that some varieties have up to 40 times more vitamins and minerals in them than their full-size veggies and herbs, which when I read that, I was like, holy shit. Like, I that no is insane. Idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not only do they taste good, but they also give you more nutrients. And the space required to grow them is ridiculously small. Like, I just harvested a tray of microgreens before we hopped on, and it's just like a 10 by 20 inch tray. And I got enough microgreens for like 50 avocado toasts. Oh my God. <laughs> 50? You better get to eating. I know. <laughs> and they're also really simple to grow, which I know I already said that. And if you haven't had success, I don't say that to like make you feel bad. But hopefully using this method, you can have some success if you have kind of struggled with that in the past. So what do I use microgreens for? Because if you've never heard of them, you're probably like, yeah, vegetable confetti. Like, okay, <laughs> like that's not going to fill me up, is it? <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> it would be a really sad diet. It'd be a flavor-filled diet, but really sad. 
<laughs> so I basically replaced all of the lettuces that I used to eat at our house with microgreens. So like I'll take a big old handful of them and make them into a salad with some dressing and tomatoes. It's a really simple salad, but a pretty flavor filled salad because if you've ever eaten microgreens, like they're they're a little spicy or they can be a little spicy. I use them as the lettuce on tacos instead of, you know, like using a quarter of one of those clamshells of spinach or arugula or whatever, and then throwing the rest of it to the chickens when I let it get sad. (laughs) Uh, I have the fanciest sandwich game in rural Ohio (laughs) because of microgreens. (laughs) And also, if you want to just jazz up the healthiness of just about anything that you eat that you would normally put herbs on, you can just sprinkle some microgreens on instead. So basically any like savory dish. So you could like sprinkle microgreens on top of spaghetti or chicken or tuna noodle casserole or whatever it is you made for dinner. Like it's not going to be weird on it. It'll be just like you sprinkled some herbs on it. So pretty cool. And I use them on avocado toast, which I already said. I basically eat avocado toast for breakfast every morning now because my husband made a joke about how I looked like a hipster one day. (laughs) So now it's a delicious joke that I get to tell every morning. (laughs) And also, I feel like it's pretty healthy. (laughs) Yeah, there are way worse things you could be putting in your mouth. I, I, yeah, I agree. (laughs) Thanks for the title of the episode. (laughs) You are welcome. That is what I'm here for today. Yes. And you can also throw them inside of smoothies. If you make a smoothie every morning, put some microgreens in it instead of your normal spinach or whatever you use for your greens. And I've legit just eaten handfuls of them. I just ate a handful before we got on, but I've already said they're packed full of flavor. Some of them are actually really spicy too, so be warned. (laughs) I was like, oh, that burns all the way in the back of my mouth. (laughs) Another possible title to the episode. (laughs) We're going to be full of them today. I have a feeling. (laughs) (sighs) So when you're thinking about growing microgreens, one of the things that some people consider is like, why would you grow them instead of buy them? And, you know, if you have access to good quality microgreens, like on a regular basis, yeah, it probably is easier just to buy them because you don't have to mess around, you know, the growing part. Mm -hmm. But I live in the middle of nowhere. So if I want green things, I have to grow it or drive to town every day. And I'm not going to do that because that's a lot of gas. (laughs) Right. So they're expensive to buy, though. Um, I had to look up like an old receipt from ordering some from our farm place that delivers. And I paid $2 an ounce last time I purchased them. I don't know if that's like regular. I live in rural Ohio, though. So things tend to be priced a little lower for foodstuffs than usual. So it might be higher in the city if there's like a lot of demand for them. Um, also they grow really fast. So that's another reason why you might want to just consider growing them. Like in five to seven days, you can start harvesting them if you have enough light on them and great soil. I harvested mine today on day nine. I could have harvested them on Friday if I wanted to, but I didn't have time. So it was like, eh, they got water and soil and light. <laughs> they're going to survive two more days. <laughs> and that, that's also another really nice thing about them is they're pretty flexible. Like if you want to leave them in longer, you totally can. I've already said that they don't take up a lot of space. Um, It's just one small growing tray if you just want one of them. And there's not a ton of effort. So I'm going to go through the steps and you'll see that once you get it set up, you basically just get to leave it until you're ready to harvest. 
which is not the way that it is when you're starting most seeds. Like there's a reason why people go to greenhouses and buy plants to plant into their garden. Starting seeds can be kind of tricky, but microgreen seeds, they are not that way. They Mm. are designed to be easy to grow. And the supplies that you need to grow microgreens are super simple. You need some growing trays, and I prefer the plastic growing trays with no holes on the bottom because you do not want to get your house all wet because you're probably (laughs) growing them inside. (laughs) Have you ever done that? No, I have not, but I do not attempt many green thumb things because I'm just not that great at it. (laughs) The first time I had a house plant, I didn't realize that the bottom of the vase or it's not a vase a pot (laughs) the bottom of the pot had a hole in it and so I watered it and then like watered basically the whole floor also like (laughs) oh I have to buy a dish to go under this thing who knew (laughs) right yeah and the tray that you use is also just a shallow tray so the size of trays that I use are the 10 inch by 20 inch trays And they are two and three eighths inches deep. And we'll put a link to those trays in the show notes so that you can find them. I usually prefer to buy them locally, though, personally. Um, They're cheaper. But the ones that I did pick up locally weren't as good of quality as the one Mm. I got from Amazon. So it kind of depends on if you're going to be making, you know, a ton of them and reusing these for a really long time. The higher quality ones may be the ones you want to go with. But if you just want to give this a try, go buy two at Menards for 99 cents a pop and give it a go. That's what I recommend because you have to buy them in like five and 10 packs on Amazon. Mm. So (laughs) you're like way more committed on Amazon. (laughs) Yeah, you're way more. You're like growing microgreens like to sell (laughs) if you're buying them in 10 (laughs) packs on Amazon. (laughs) Good to know. You'll also need some soil Uh, Because that's actually one of the big differences between sprouts and microgreens. Sprouts are just the seeds that you watered and let sprout and you eat the seed, the root, and the whole little sprout thing. Microgreens grow in the soil and you cut them at the base and just eat the top part so you don't pull them out and wash the, the dirt off the roots and eat the whole thing. So you do need some soil for microgreens, but there are seed mats of microgreens available. And Sam, I think you said that you had grown some that yeah. during that method. I, this was like pre-podcast, I'm pretty sure. And some company reached out to me and I can't for the life of me remember who they were. And I tried to find them so I could chunk them out because I don't think it was their fault that I failed. But it was like a shallow tray set up and like a seed mat type thing that I did. And I think like thinking back, I think my issue was like not enough light because I was trying to use like natural light and it said that would be enough, but I don't think it was based on the window that I chose. Um, So yeah, I tried that and it worked. It just wasn't very impressive, not very (laughs) fruitful. (laughs) (laughs) But the chickens had a ball with them, right? Yeah. So in my journey... I've done it two ways. I've done it that way. And then I also did it in a way where it was like this fish tank and the top of it had like little pods and it was like microgreen type things, but it was like with these rocks, not soil. Hmm. And I think I just didn't have enough light in here either because I had it in my office, but I had like a little fish. So like the fish poop would like uh, fertilize it and then it had water because it was like on the top of the fish tank. It was a little weird, but it was cool. And they did 
they did okay, but I just had, you know, it's one more thing to clean. When you have a farm, do you really want to clean a fish tank? You don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Not unless you're like super into fish. That right. setup sounds really fascinating. I kind of want to get one of those and give that a try. Because it's like your first step into like aquaponics. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Probably more than like this approach, but it it used like microgreens. So that might be really cool for your kids because it's a fish. So it's like they get another pet out of the deal. Right. When really you just want the fish to poop. A pet without spurs too, which is an yes. extra bonus to my kids. <laughs> yes, and super easy to feed. Super nice. cheap. So if you do this method, you'll need some soil and... The kind of soil that I like, it's called ProMix, and you can get it at any large garden retailer, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you want to see what the bag looks like. It's like $50 to have a bag delivered from Amazon, so don't buy it from there. <laughs> it's normally like 8 bucks at the gardening store, so... <laughs> So go there. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like a huge compressed bale of soil too. Like it's for microgreens growing on like a commercial level (laughs) size bale that you can buy at the garden store. So you can use it for a bunch of other things too, not just this. And you'll also need some lights unless you have excellent lighting inside your house. Grow lights will definitely be a must. And lighting is one of the things that I think people make the biggest mistakes on when it comes to starting seeds or growing anything inside their house. So like my house is actually oriented north-south, which is the worst orientation you can have for growing things inside because you really want that east and west sun because you want the sunrise and the sunset and you want it to be direct. And something else too that you don't think about in your house is like your windows are treated to not let the uv rays in but like plants love uv rays so that's another reason too why growing indoors can be really difficult because the types of things that we're growing when we're growing for food they're really light hungry things like you there's not a whole lot of things that you can grow to eat that just require like the kind of light you can get inside a house you know like on a coffee table (laughs) right In fact, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I don't want to say none, though, because I'm sure someone will say, oh, actually. (laughs) Yeah, so somebody tell us what it is if there is something, because I'd be curious, because that sounds stupid easy to take care of. Yeah, and I totally give that a try, too, because I love growing food inside the house. I love growing food just in general, but inside the house, it feels like extra fun because it's like super like non-traditional, I guess. So the kind of lights that I use to grow is I have two different kinds that I use. One of them is an LED shop light that hangs from a chain and it's about the size of like an eight foot folding table. So it can hang underneath the table and I can put the trays underneath it. And that works really well because it's super close to the seeds. So it it does get enough light that way. Because sometimes like LED lights don't really have like all the spectrums that you're technically supposed to have. But I've had success with them. So they clearly work. Um, But the ones that I'm using right now are actually tube lights that are on like a clip, like a reading light would be on. And they have the red and blue spectrum LEDs inside of them. And you can kind of like swivel the heads around so you can pick which spots of the plants you want to concentrate on or you can split the lights up between like two different trays if you wanted to. Because they have some that have three heads, some that have four heads. 
That sounded really funny. <laughs> Foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have faces. But, you know, you can split them between multiple trays and whatnot. And I have three sets of those. So I don't have a ton, um, but it was a little bit of investment because I think each set of lights is like 20 or 25 bucks. Uh, but this is my third growing season with them. So they've also lasted a really long time. And uh, the only thing about the type of lights that I use is the tube lights. Unless you have a ton of them, you're going to need to rotate your trays. So that adds, you know, like one more step to whether or not you think this is something that's really easy and that you can handle doing. More lights means that you can just like leave it on and you don't have to mess around with it. But when you have less lights, you got to rotate it. So otherwise you'll have some spots like stretching to try to get to the light. And then you'll have like a row of really leggy, long, funky looking microgreens. And you're like, what's wrong with those weird alien ones? (laughs) (laughs) They're just trying to get to the light. (laughs) And then you'll also need seeds. And... I did pose this question to Instagram in a few different places, and I got a few different answers. And one of the answers that I got was that you cannot use regular gardening seeds for microgreens. But after a little more research, it turns out that technically you can use any seeds that you want and just heavily sow them into the tray. And, you know, you harvest them when they're tiny and you get to call them microgreens. But seeds that are designed specifically for growing microgreens come in larger packs because they know that you're going to be sowing them, you know, really thickly in order to get that big, beautiful tray of greens. And they've also cultivated them specifically for harvesting early because you may not know this, but some seeds and not all seed companies do this, but some seed companies do, they spray their seeds with some fungicides so that their seedlings can actually survive to become an adult plant because uh, funguses are like one of the leading cause of, you know, your seedling just like suddenly, you know, kicking the bucket. You can't figure out why. There doesn't appear to be anything wrong with it or the soil, but it just got like a tiny fungal infection. It's just like, it's done. (laughs) And goodbye. (laughs) And those fungicides are designed to dissipate before the plant reaches its maturity but if you use those seeds for microgreens, the fungicide hasn't dissipated yet. So that's just my, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Two cents. Yes. So <laughs> I think microgreen seeds, though, are worth it because they come in the bigger packs. Like it's just so much easier than like collecting five envelopes of regular seeds and trying to do this. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah. And the seeds that I use are, um, I've used in my gardener's uh, microgreen salad mix. One pack of those was 99 cents and two of them created a whole tray of microgreens. So I got a whole tray for like two bucks. And the total finished weight of that was about two and a half ounces of microgreens. So it was a pretty decent amount of microgreens for $2 worth of seeds. And some other varieties that I purchased from MI Gardener were broccoli and kale. I have those sitting to harvest after we're done recording this, so I haven't gotten to weigh them. But they did just as well as the salad mix did, so I'm really happy with those. Um, But those varieties were um, larger packs. They were one-ounce packs of seeds instead of just being – it's weird. The microgreen packages didn't have the weight on them. They just said that each hmm. one had 750 seeds in it. Oh, dang. <laughs> but I use both envelopes on a tray. So that tells you like how many seeds you need to use inside of microgreen trays. <laughs> and they were $3.99 for one ounces of seeds. And I think I'm going to get two trays out of one 
ounce pack rather than having to use like two packs to make a tray. So anyways, it ends up being the same amount of money, long story short, either way you go. Uh, And then I also ordered seeds from True Leaf. And if you are considering growing a lot of microgreens, these True Leaf seeds are the way to go uh, because they come in like different varying sizes of packs. The smallest ones that I bought were four ounce packs and they are huge, huge (laughs) packs of seeds. Four ounces of seeds is actually a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. And in fact, when that box came in, like for a hot second, I considered trying to sell microgreens like as another side gig. (laughs) So I was like, oh my God, I can grow so many trays of microgreens. In true Bev fashion, I'm probably just going to grow a lot of microgreens and give them away to people. <laughs> but growing microgreens is really fun. Like when you do it a couple of times, it is kind of addicting and they're delicious. So you're just kind of like, yeah, this is fun. It's very satisfying to have something be done so fast, I guess, is probably part of it. The seeds that I got from True Leaf are I got a salad mix, I got kale, I got cilantro, I got Swiss chard, and I got arugula. So I'm really looking forward to mixing up some different flavors with them. And I'm really excited about the arugula seeds because I recently discovered that I was out of my regular arugula seeds. And since that's my spirit lettuce, it just felt really wrong not to have any arugula. (laughs) I was going to say, did it feel like part of your soul was just sad when you were all out? Yeah, it absolutely (laughs) did. Yep. I was like, oh, well, now what am I doing with my life? I'm not so sure anymore. Oh, no. (laughs) All right, so now we're going to cut to the chase. I'm going to tell you how to grow them. It's not a lot of steps. So this is going to go really fast. So you're going to take one of your trays, and you're going to fill it with about two inches of soil, and you want to dampen the soil. You want the soil to be damp enough that the seeds can sprout, but you don't want it to be super soggy because depending on your climate, if you have too much standing water in there, you can end up with some funky things growing in there. So basically like just the right amount of moist exactly i needed to say moist (laughs) because i've been really quiet so i needed to flip some kind of verbal table by saying that word that was a good way to do it it was perfect thank you (laughs) i'm trying to contribute (laughs) then you're gonna sprinkle your seeds thickly on top of your newly moistened soil (laughs) yeah lay it on thick (laughs) and you need a lot you need a lot of seeds like i cannot stress that enough it's a lot of seeds (laughs) Well, you said like 700 or something crazy like that, didn't you? Yeah, and that was only in one pack, and I put two packs into that tray. So it was 1,500 seeds. So you need <laughs> over 1,000 on yes. your moist soil. Yes, you do. Got it. And I didn't cover my first batch with soil. I just sprinkled the seeds and then let them grow. And they did eventually root and stand up, but it was touch and go for a while on that first batch, whether or not those seeds were really going to like stand up like microgreens were supposed to. So for this next batch that I just started today, I sprinkled a layer of soil and then dampened it down just a little more on these. And I'll have to let you know how those work out because the seeds that I didn't cover did grow. But it was a little weird looking at all those hairy roots every time I looked at it because, like, the hairy roots kind of look like mold. Mm. So if you don't know what you're looking for or what you're doing, you might mistake your tray of microgreens for having grown, like, a weird fuzzy white mold. And it turns out it's just hairy roots because your seeds weren't buried. So (laughs) I buried these ones to see if they stand up a little sooner because I think that'll also make for, like, a stronger stem 
and a nicer looking tray of microgreens. I mean, I really love the way mine looked by the end of it. But when I was looking at it, I was like, eh, I feel like a little soil like was necessary here. So if I was wrong, I'll let everybody know. But I don't think I'm going to be <laughs> as long as it's just a little tiny bit and not a ton like your uh, seedlings will still be able to pop through. So that's my recommendation on the soil. And then you're going to put another one of your growing trays upside down on top of your growing tray. And I don't know if that's hard to picture, but basically you take a second tray and you just flip it upside down on top of your other one and leave it there for three days. And you're covering your seeds because A, you're creating kind of like a greenhouse environment in there because with the tray on top of it, it's not letting any moisture out. So that's helping with like the swelling of the seeds to let the seedling burst out. But also you're keeping it dark in there because your seeds will sprout in the dark and then they don't need light until they've started to actually like come up. So I left mine on for three days and I felt like that was perfect because when I took it off, all of the seeds had sprouted and there are all these like little pale white sort of light green seedlings like reaching as far as they could like ah, we need light. And then as soon as you put some light on them, they like dark and green and they look like microgreens. It's kind of like magic. (laughs) And then after you've got the light on, I kept my grow lights on for 24 hours a day, but I rotated the trays every 12 so that I had like an even light coverage on all of mine. If you have a big giant light, you could probably turn it off for 12 hours if you wanted to, or your microgreens might be ready sooner if you left them on for 24 hours. So uh, that's the thing about microgreens is the timing for when you're going to harvest, it really depends on the quality of the soil, the quality of the seeds you're using, and the quality of the light your seeds are getting. So there's a lot of variables when it comes to gardening. So there's no guarantee that you'll actually harvest in seven days, but seven-ish days is about your target benchmark, I think. I've seen five to seven, I've seen seven to 14. But looking at mine and following all these steps, seven days feels like a really good sweet spot. Plus, then it's not so long that, you know, you feel like you're growing a whole plant. Like, I like instant gratification over here. (laughs) (laughs) So microgreens are it. (laughs) You would think that maybe we're a a millennial or something with all this instant gratification talk. I know, right? I'm totally a millennial. Which so I I'm gonna go on a funny sign tangent here. I forgot how old I was turning next month. <laughs> I thought I was turning thirty seven. Wait, what are you turning? Thirty six. I was gonna say that doesn't sound right in my ears. Like, I know you're a little older than me, but I was like, not that old. Yeah. Because <laughs> a year makes a big difference, right? It's funny that one year, though, like sounded that much older to me. And then I was like, no, I'm technically like barely a millennial. <laughs> so 36 is right. But yeah, I'm totally a millennial over here. That's funny. <laughs> With my instant gratification and my avocado toast. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so... After like five to seven days, you're looking at your microgreens, you're trying to decide if they're ready to harvest. You'll know that they're ready to harvest because they'll be tall and they'll be tall enough that they're over the edge of your tray so that you can easily cut them out. And they're going to be nice and straight and have their first two leaves, you know, like open and emerged. So that'll be your sign that they're ready to harvest. And, you know, honestly, if you want to harvest your microgreens early, like 
go for it. There's no harm, no foul with microgreens. You want to leave them on longer, go for that too. I Seriously, I don't feel like you can mess up microgreens unless you just like, I don't know. Don't have lights on it. Don't have lights on them. Over water. Over water, yeah. <laughs> Make it way too moist. <laughs> <laughs> or let them dry out too. I suppose that oh. would do it too. Because you may have noticed that I didn't give any instructions to water the microgreens. And that's because here I did not have to. But everyone's house has a different moisture content. So you may have to water your microgreens. So if you need to water them every day, I just touched the soil with my finger to see how it felt. If it felt a little damp, I did not water them. And I did not end up having to water mine. But if it had felt a tiny bit dry, then I would have filled a spray bottle with water and just like lightly misted all of the soil with the water. Because you don't want to – microgreens are so tiny, you don't want to disturb them by like sticking them under the sink and turning the faucet on. Like you'd end up with like soil and half-grown microgreens everywhere. (laughs) So a little spray bottle will totally do it. And then after that, you just repeat it as many times as you want to. And I'm experimenting with reusing the soil for my second batch because I felt like it was kind of a waste to just throw that soil in the compost pile. Oh, yeah. It just grew microgreens. So there's plenty of nutrients still left in that soil. So to reuse it, I kind of chopped up uh, the roots and stems that were still left in it because, you know, I harvested it by cutting at the base with the scissors. Um, So there was stems and roots and all that stuff in there, which kind of had created a little bit of a mat. And I was like, well, my new ones aren't going to be able to take root if I leave these like this. So I chopped them all up and then I dampened them down again with some water and then I spread my seeds over and put a new layer of dirt on top, just a tiny bit. And dampened that down also oh, so okay. we'll see how this tray looks but i can't see any reason why this won't work now if you reuse your soil for forever it'll eventually run out of nutrients and your next batch of microgreens just won't be as nutrient dense or they won't grow as well or they'll be like you know little dwarfy microgreens like dwarfier than they already are <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's how you grow microgreens the end that's it that sounds like stupid simple though like i think my issue was honestly the lighting i and that's a pretty easy fix i think just get lights (laughs) yeah and you don't need really expensive fancy grow lights you're gonna put grow lights into amazon and you're gonna see 50 dollar and 100 dollar lights those are not necessary unless you're really setting up like a true indoor growing space like a big one those little tube lights they're 20 ish bucks that is totally the way to start and you can just grow a few things at a time i hook them up to my i have like one of those squares like ikea bookcases i hook them up into that and stick two of the tubes into a bookcase and it does a great job growing whatever little thing i've got in there so i will be looking that up after we're done recording Sweet. I might be doing some buzzed shopping after this. I mean, I highly recommend buzz shopping. (laughs) And now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Woohoo! So, Sam, what can't you even about? So, this week, the article that I found is from thedodo.com. And it says, bees work together to open container of stolen honey. Oh my gosh, seriously? Yeah. So 
Uh, I'll just read the article. It's super short. And it says, Justice never tasted sweeter. Just ask these bees. Evidently, while flying around on colony business one day, a familiar scent in the air reached their highly acute antennae. The source of that scent was none other than the fruit of their labor. It was honey. Stolen honey. (laughs) And then there's this picture of all these bees on this honey container. (laughs) And it says, someone, it seems, has bottled up a batch of the bee's sugary concoction and closed it tight with a lid. That person had thought, perhaps, that would prevent them from reaching what was rightfully theirs. But as you'll see, the person was wrong. (laughs) So dramatic. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Working together as a team, the bees managed to reclaim their prize. It's impossible to say for certain, of course, whether these particular bees are part of the domestic hive that produced the honey. But if that is the case, chances are they're not running low on the stuff back home. To keep their hives healthy and thriving, ethical beekeepers typically should only take bees surplus honey, leaving an ample amount to be enjoyed by the beautiful bugs who work so hard to make it. And that is the end. But there's this little video in there of these bees working together to wiggle this top of the honey off. It's pretty That's incredible. Crazy. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe that they can do that. But it shouldn't surprise me. Bees are really interesting creatures. They're so smart. And my husband has been talking to me about bees. Ooh. I think he wants to get them, but I'm not mm. pushing it because if it's his idea, he'll help me like way more. Yeah, absolutely. If it's just my idea. <laughs> and I've been like all about it for a while, but we've been like trying to decide like, What's the best setup for us? What's the approach that we want to take? Like, oh, my God, what happens if we get stung? Like, what's that going to be like the first few times? Like, awful. I'm, like, terrified of it because my mom is allergic to bees. So I, like, have this intense fear of bees, even though I'm not allergic. And I honestly haven't been stung in a really long time. I'm going to knock on wood there. Um, But... (laughs) It's, like, in the back of my mind, like, even in my full-out bee suit, like, it's going to happen. Yeah, I think that's, uh, like, one of those milestones that you hit Yeah, as a beekeeper is when you get stung, for sure. Yes. So, if that becomes a reality, you'll be, you will all hear more about it on the podcast, obviously, because I'm not going to do something brand new like that and not talk about it oh yeah obviously (laughs) (laughs) we would demand that you talk about it (laughs) yes so bev what can't you even about this week so i came across this thing that was on good morning america and i'm just going to read you the thing from a place called fourstateshomepage.com because obviously i can't read a tv show like good morning america (laughs) but it's violet the miniature donkey takes care of blind animals on an arkansas farm Aww. And it's so cute. I love the first photo because it's just like Violet looking at the camera with her ears up and one of her blind cows like behind her, which is really super adorable. And it says animals can help humans, but a miniature donkey is helping animals too. When Robin and Corey Plumley rescued a blind cow named Molly, it was hard to take care of her, and she could only live in a small pen at their farm in Green Forest, Arkansas, due to her disability. 
and they said Molly could not get around anywhere. She couldn't get to water or feed. So desperate to try anything to help her, the Plumley's friend gave them Violet, a sightseeing miniature donkey, because the animals are sometimes used as guardians for livestock. So Corey had the idea of putting a bell on Violet to help Molly hear her. And while Robin and her husband only hoped for Violet to be a companion to her, the miniature donkey surprised the couple when they noticed her showing Molly around. And they said, we were able to turn Violet and Molly out into a 20-acre pasture where Violet showed her how to get around the property. So Violet also stepped in when their beloved 18-year-old horse named Raz went blind after developing equine glaucoma. Oh. <laughs> Raz was completely blind and couldn't figure out how to get around. So the couple decided to stick both animals, Violet and Raz, in the same vicinity to see if Violet would potentially help guide the new horse too. And sure enough, Violet was able to help Raz, and now the two are always together. So the unlikely trio is thriving thanks to the help of Violet. And they said she really shows that anything is possible. Oh, that's so cute. It was such a feel-good story. And, you know, so this is going to sound kind of funny after I read this. I've been keeping an eye on Herc and Percy because I was, like, curious on what they do. Herc leads Percy around the pasture all day long, and Percy's not blind. (laughs) Oh, he just – he was born a leader. Yeah. So I think miniature donkeys are just really great leaders. (laughs) Like, I think they have a really strong, like, herding instinct in them or something. (laughs) And he just likes to be the boss. That's a possibility, too. I mean, I can relate to that. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Just a couple of donkeys over here running the podcast. Just a couple asses. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, your ass is enough. Yes, it is. (laughs) All right. So make sure you leave us a review. If you haven't done that yet, go do so on Apple Podcasts because we read one review a week from there. So if you don't have an Apple product, that's okay. If you have a laptop, you can download iTunes and leave a review that way. Because what we do is we take all the reviews that we read for the month and draw a name out of the hat. And that person will get an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop. So make sure you leave your Instagram handle or some way for us to find you after you win uh so we can send you your exclusive mug yeah and this week we didn't get any new reviews no so that means that the person whose review we read last week has a better chance Mm -hmm. and so does all the future ones so get out there and leave a review do it you won't regret it and then this week for housekeeping and announcements Of course, we're going to remind you that Coop Camp 2020 is upon us. It is in Indianapolis, Indiana, June 5th through 7th. And we're going to be there, which means you should totally be there too. And be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because this helps more people like you find the podcast. And go ahead and share that you're listening to our podcast episode over on Instagram. Take a screenshot and share it in your up in your stories and tag at Drink and Farm. We'll send you a promo code for this episode that will give you a percentage off in the shop, which you want to do because we just launched some more cool, unique stuff 
And who doesn't like a good deal? So do that. Yes. I'm a big fan of that. Your ass is enough stuff. <laughs> yes. And we have a surprise for you over on our YouTube channel. Go over to our YouTube channel and just check out one of the most recent podcast episodes that's up there. You'll notice that we added a video to the audio of the podcast. So you can listen to that episode of the podcast and watch whatever strange thing we decided to record from the farm. (laughs) Yeah. It's really cool. Like there's some of Herc and Percy just eating breakfast. There's the goats running around. We did one of us cleaning the chicken coop today, which was really cool. And then left it on so that the chicken, you could watch the chickens like spread their straw all out and stuff. I know it sounds really weird, but if you like watching what animals do, it's quite fascinating. <laughs> Bev's stalker cam. We're we're trying to figure out how Sam is going to have her own stalker cam too logistics are still being figured out but but i'm glad that that's up there so you can at least watch one of our funny farms and i'm gonna have to go check that out yeah (laughs) so make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to the things that we discussed this week and all of our social media and our merch shop yeah thanks guys we had a lot of fun talking about all things microgreens and i'm feeling very motivated to try to grow some of my own but that might just be the bubbly talking we'll find out (laughs) i mean i'm usually pretty motivated after i'm done having a beverage but microgreens are delicious you'll enjoy it (laughs) i just gotta rip off the band-aid and give it a try maybe it'll help me like start planning any kind of gardening i actually want to do this year too so it's not like all of a sudden warm outside and i'm trying to figure out if i'm gonna do anything right we're going to drag Sam to the dark side of gardening. Or the light side. Let's call it the light side of gardening. We'll call it the light side because <laughs> you need light to do it. That's right. So until next time, you guys, drink, farm, and, and give, give zero, zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things.